Mum Talk Series 5 is supported by Bugaboo. 20 years ago, Bugaboo started a stroller revolution, changing the game with innovative products that had at their heart the desire to make parents' lives easier. Bugaboo continued to invent, develop, test and manufacture truly revolutionary products. Made to use every day, designed to last a lifetime, there's a Bugaboo pram, pushchair or stroller to suit every family's needs. Bugaboo know that it's not always easy, but that it's always worth it. They get that you are a parent and a person, and with their extraordinary products, you've got this. Visit bugaboo.com forward slash mumtalk. Hello and welcome to Mum Talk Series 5, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. On this podcast, I share my journey of literally having no idea what I am doing, from pregnancy to life now with a baby. Through the podcast, I am joined by not only incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. You can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Maybe you have a cup of tea with your feet up or perhaps your jogging shoes on and you're off for a stroll. Whatever and wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 5, Episode 3. And I can't quite believe it's already been a week since I checked in with you last. Firstly, thank you so much for all of your messages on how much you loved last week's podcast with Michaela Thomas, where we touched on parental mental health and relationships. So if you haven't yet listened to last week's podcast, do go and have a listen because it's been a topic that has been on my list and on your list for me to cover for quite some time. So we are still in France and I have to say this trip has been pretty challenging Unfortunately, I think it's down to the jabs, but we're not entirely sure with Amandine. It could have been jabs, flying, not remembering France, leaping, a growth spurt. It could be anything. It really could be anything. It could be the heat. Um, But Amandine has had no appetite whatsoever. This started the day that we left. So it's been a week tomorrow where she's just had no appetite. Although today, I think... She had a really good lunch. She ate lots and lots of pasta. I mean, every baby loves pasta. And hopefully, hopefully we're on the way out of this. But she's also not been drinking a huge amount of water, which is obviously concerning because it's warm here. We've tried to give it to her in her bottle, which she never, ever uses anymore. I just bought one with us for emergencies if for some reason I needed to express milk and give it to her in a bottle. She's taken a bit of water from there, but she normally drinks from a glass. She hasn't been interested at all in drinking from a glass. And she normally drinks really well from her beaker and not wanting to touch that at all. We've tried different brands of water. The water here has quite, the tap water here has quite a distinctive taste. So we have tried things like Evian, which is safe for babies. But no, still not drinking much water. And we did wake up quite concerningly to a completely dry nappy. So that's 12 hours without a wee, which is obviously very concerning. We've kept an eye on her wet nappies since then, and she has been weeing consistently and giving us lots and lots of wet nappies. So I'm now no longer concerned, but she still isn't taking in much water. So we are trying to give her lots of food with water content. 
um, if she'll have it, which isn't really, and just trying to get little sips into her as much as possible. And of course, I'm trying to give her really big feeds in the morning and really big feeds in the afternoon. And if she's going in the evening and if she's going for my boob in the afternoon, I'm also giving that to her as well because she needs to drink. Also, going to bed hasn't been particularly easy. She's been really unsettled um, going down for her evening. Naps are fine in the day, but evening, it's taken us about half an hour to get her down, actually. It's made me realise that how much I take for granted at home. Our routine is so wonderful because Alandine goes down literally bath sometimes, book, milk, bed, and that's it. We don't hear another peep peep from her until the morning. We're really, really lucky. She's such a great sleeper. But also it makes when we go away a little bit harder because you think, oh my goodness, God, it's so easy when we're at home. But Hendrik has actually been amazing and he has been singing. I think he's got a really good voice, but he doesn't think he has a good voice. He's been singing Amandine to sleep literally for about 20 to 30 minutes every night. And for some reason, she has just started to want daddy or want papa. We call him papa all the time. Even when I pick her up and hold her, she doesn't want me. And I have to say, it doesn't make me feel... It makes me feel a little bit upset, actually. It doesn't make me feel brilliant. And she's always wanting her crummy, which is grandma. Um, Her grandma has a really high-pitched baby voice, which I think is possibly why... She likes going to her so much because it's almost like going to another baby. But I'm not going to lie. I have very mixed feelings about how this makes me feel, being her number one go-to for the last year and now almost being invisible, apart from, obviously, morning feeds and evening feeds and if she hurts herself, she doesn't really want to be with me. Anyway, it's lovely for Hendrik and Hendrik is loving all of the attention and she'll literally crawl over to him and tug on his trousers and go papa and look up at him and it's just it's amazing to watch it's heartwarming it really is but there is a little bit of me that is also a teeny tiny little bit miffed (laughs) that she doesn't want me anymore anyway I will get over it but I would really love if you're listening to this right now and you've experienced the same please, please, please message me and let me know that this is normal because I just, I feel like I need to be reassured from some other mums or dads out there that this is very normal and she's going to come back to loving me because right now it feels like she doesn't love me. I know that is impossible and of course she loves me. I haven't done anything to deserve, to not deserve her love. So of course she loves me. But if you've experienced this, please message me. I would love to hear from you and your experience with this. On to this week's podcast. So this week's podcast has been asked for for a really, really long time. And it was actually only when Amandine started to get teeth, I never knew I would ever have so many questions around baby teeth. So I'm so pleased I'm able to bring this podcast to you this week. This week, I am chatting to Dr. Gemma Hood, who is a dentist. And she is also a mum, so she's talking from experience. But the minute Amandine started to show teeth, I had all of these questions reeling in. How do I brush them? What level of fluoride? Do we use fluoride at all? This is a discussion Hendrik and I had really early on. Do we see a dentist? How big a gap between the front two teeth is normal? Amandine has really quite a big gap. Looking back at baby photos, I had a big gap too. 
Hendrix's mum had a really big gap. Anyway, my dentist says it's completely normal and we have been to see our dentist on the back of talking with Gemma and he had a really good look at Amandine's teeth as much as he could really. She sat on my knee after me having a little check so she got to see that and she was very chilled and she heard some buzzing noises and it was all fine. And then our dentist just popped his little finger into her mouth, pulled back on her lips a little so he could see the gums. She of course kept her teeth closed but that was fine, he could still see everything. Um, and it was just getting her used to the surroundings, getting her used to the dentist, and him just having a little check to see that there was nothing major going on. So this podcast is full of all the questions I had. All the questions you guys had, and I really hope it is helpful for you to listen to if you have young ones with baby teeth, because baby teeth really stay for quite some time, and I'm always filled with fear that Amaldine will fall over, smack her face, and chip a tooth, or, you know, really hurt her mouth somehow, and then you can't really do anything about it for a really long time. Well, until the teeth change, which is a really long time. Enjoy, and if you have any questions during the podcast whilst you're listening write them down pop me a dm and i will send them to Gemma. or you can always check in with Gemma yourself i will share her instagram in the show notes i'm Gemma, and i am just a normal family dentist i work in an nhs dental practice for two days a week seeing patients from sort of naught to 100 doing checkups fillings extractions all, all the usual um, and then I also work at a university as a clinical teacher in paediatric dentistry oh, wow. so that's basically teaching the trainee dental students how to look after children's teeth um, and that includes obviously the practical side but also things like the communication side of things um, so it keeps me um, on my toes and then I'm also a mum to a 15-month-old little guy um, oh. who has now got nine teeth of his own. Oh, um, and yeah, so I can see things from both the professional side and obviously from the actual parenting side of things as well. And um, my experience was my health visitor, I think when the baby was about three weeks old, handed me a toothbrush and said, oh, when they get teeth, remember to start brushing them. But at three weeks, you're not even thinking about teeth. What? And then... When, when the teeth came in, there was, at that point, I think you're sort of independently parenting and no one's really keeping an eye on you. And I don't, I think there is a bit of confusion about, well, what should I start doing? What should I be using? So when did your little boy first get his teeth? So he was pretty textbook in that the average age to get the first teeth is around the six month mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I have the cute milestone cards and as soon as the first one <laughs> popped through, there I was like snapping away, got my first tooth today. Um, I mean, it can vary massively um, as with all milestones such as, you know, sitting up and um, walking. For instance, he's not walking yet and I know some babies walk before their first birthday. Um, but with teething, I think some babies sort of get them around four months others can be up to sort of like 10 11 months before they're coming through I don't know where where are you up to with teething we have so Amandine is 11 months next month and she in a few weeks and she has four teeth um but she I feel like she's been teething since she was like two months old Mm, yeah I mean teething is one of those things it's really hard to to sort of define and specify because obviously babies can't tell us what they're feeling 
Um, and a lot of the time people will be like, oh, it's a grumpy baby. Oh, they must be teething sort of thing. But yeah, they do start to explore and like they put things in their mouth, especially their own fists and their fingers and excessive drooling. And you start to think, oh no, teeth are on the way. It's, it's happening. Do you, do you recommend any teething wipes and things like that when you start noticing your baby's teething and things? So um, like I say, they're sort of, the guidance that I've had to give is all sort of evidence-based and it's all based on UK guidelines. Um, and obviously for any sort of, if you've got personal tips, I must say obviously please speak to your dental professional. Um, so with the dental wipes, they're a really good way of introducing a new texture because obviously babies at that point probably only had either bottle or breast in their mouth. Yes. And if you start putting a toothbrush in, sometimes it's a bit like sensory overload, like what is this um, sensation? Um, so they're really good for yeah introducing a new texture and also they do contain xylitol which is sort of got antibacterial properties which they believe can help with gum inflammation um, but obviously the guidance is that as soon as the teeth are there you do need to start using toothbrush toothpaste so the wipes are not a substitute for toothbrushing but they are like an adjunct so they're a good extra thing to do if you want but I mean please don't feel that you have to um, but I, I quite like having them and I, I actually use them at work sometimes if I've got a patient who's a bit reluctant to open their mouth, a little, a young patient, no. you rub it along the, their lip and it tastes quite nice. They take, they've got, because the xylitol gives it a sweetish flavour, so they tend to open their mouth and then you can have a little feel of the gums and so yeah, it's, it's good. They have their place, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> now, you're meant to start brushing the minute the first tooth comes through, is that right? Yeah, so obviously sometimes you will know when the tooth is coming because they'll have been showing signs of teething. Other times you'll literally wake up and there'll just be a tooth there one day and you'll be like, oh my goodness, where did, where did that come from? Um, but yeah, I think it's um, building the habit into the routine from sort of day one really is really beneficial for the baby and for the mum because it helps you to think, oh, okay, so twice a day now we're going to do the teeth rather than having to battle with them when they're older and try and introduce it when they're older. And also, especially around the bedtime one, it becomes one of their sort of bedtime cues if you like for baby so they you know they're having their bath they're having their lullaby they're having their story and they're having their teeth brushed so it's I think it's yeah it's good to incorporate it from day one and obviously teething normally coincides with when they start to eat food when weaning's happening yes um and obviously as soon as they're eating food potentially food particles are going to be lingering in the mouth um and we don't want them to be on their teeth uh, for too long so you need to start giving them a little little gentle brush on the bedtime thing I still feed Amandine, not to sleep, but I feed her. It's the last thing that we do normally, um, especially at the moment because she's just a little bit clingy and I just want to give her that comfort before she goes to bed. But in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, should I be brushing her teeth as the last thing? If I brush her teeth before then giving her breast milk, am I just undoing all the good that I've done or can I still give Amandine breast milk I feel like if I give her breast milk then brush her teeth she'll get all worked up wake again. her up yeah stimulating her again yeah exactly so I can kind of answer this I suppose with two hats on uh one is the professional dental hat which is obviously again um guidelines say that from the age um of one upwards mm-hmm. um which is normally the time that all the upper front teeth are through ideally um it should only be water that's offered as a nighttime drink Um, because obviously water is sort of pH neutral um, and doesn't contain sort of anything. It's just, it's the most hydrating thing for them to have. Um, And hopefully babies will be sleeping for a little bit longer during the night as well at this point, maybe even in uh, uninterrupted sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, But prior to that, so prior to 12 months, um, 
having milk at bedtime is is dentally fine. Obviously, from my mum's perspective, I know that feeding sleep is uh, really common. It's really comforting for them. It's what they've done since they were little. Um, and yeah, we still do it, you know, occasionally. And it's, you know, like I say, sleep is so precious, especially once you go back to work. The last thing you want to be doing is 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 waking them up once they've gone down. Um, but sometimes, if I'm being really sneaky, if he, if he has fed to sleep, I might even just get my finger and put a tiny bit of toothpaste and just rub it gently along really? his finger, along his teeth, and so just to put less... a little coating of paste on overnight. So it's less almost of the actual brushing action and more maybe of the just getting some toothpaste on those teeth. Yeah, so what happens is when uh, we as human beings go to sleep, our saliva production is reduced during the night. Uh, same for grown-ups, same for, same for babies. And the saliva is obviously in your mouth to sort of coat and protect your teeth. And often, especially if you're a mouth breather, you'll wake up and you'll have a really dry mouth in the morning or during the night. Um, so because the saliva is not coating and protecting your teeth, the idea of the bedtime brush is that the toothpaste then coats and protects the teeth when you're asleep. Um, so when people leave out the bedtime brushing, one, there might be food particles on the teeth, and two, they haven't got that coating, uh, protective coating overnight. So that's the science behind it, if you like. Okay. Now, first toothbrush. What should uh-huh. we be using in teeny tiny mouths um, to start with? So, yeah, a teeny tiny toothbrush, really. Um, so there's obviously lots of brands, and I'm not going to sort of name drop or mention any specific ones because it's obviously down to you as an individual. Um, but the, the qualities you're looking for really are a small size head um, on the toothbrush because obviously once they start getting back teeth, you don't want to be putting an adult sized brush in their mouth because they'll be um, you know, gagging on it. Um, and the brushes for babies will normally have softer texture bristles as well because baby teeth, the enamel is thinner compared to adult teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do, again, if you use bristles that are too tough, you could sort of um, be brushing a, a layer of enamel away. Um, normally, they'll be quite sort of um, rubberized and flexible handles as well, because babies are probably going to chew down on them. Um, so they need to have that, that flex so that babies can, can chew down. Um, and normally, they'll have quite a, a grippy handle as well, again, which makes it easier for baby to hold or for you and baby to hold together. Um, there's, there's loads of great ones. The other thing you could try is um, you can get actually little finger toothbrushes. I don't know if you've seen those that I slide have. onto the end of your index finger. They look brilliant. I kind of wish I did buy one of those, but I've now bought her a tooth. I've actually, I've actually got her two toothbrushes. One I use to try and clean her teeth, and the other one I give to her occasionally, which she like bites down on just for her to get used to the bristles in her mouth. But it doesn't actually, I, I try and brush her teeth with a different one because I find it's just a bit easier. Um, yeah, no, I think that works. It's a really good technique. And I kind of compare it to the whole, um, when you're weaning, they say about doing the two spoons technique. So yes. spoon for baby and spoon for mum. Yes. Um, so I think, well, yeah, two toothbrushes, it's the same kind of idea, really. <laughs> sort of baby-led toothbrushing, if you like. Exactly. Listening back to the podcast, I thought now was the perfect time to just jump in and say... We've managed to get toothbrushing into a little routine with Amandine in the morning. So we pop her on the potty and I give her her toothbrush and it's a little sonic toothbrush that we've now bought her and she absolutely loves it. She just sits on the loo and she brushes her little teeth and then I give her, give them a little brush as well towards the end and she goes for a wee at the same time. I brush my teeth at the same time so she can see me brushing 
and she's essentially just copying me. And then we've been keeping that routine whilst we've been away on holiday. As you guys know from the beginning, we're still away in France and we've brought that routine over here. We went to the supermarket, bought her a little potty and I bought her toothbrush with me and we've been doing exactly that. Sitting on the potty, brushing her teeth, I've brushed mine and then we've headed out for a little bit of a stroll with her in her bugaboo ant and I have been buying a croissant and eating a croissant while strolling around and we've gone to check the surf and it's just been the most perfect start to the mornings and having that freedom where we can jump straight into the car with all our gear the ant fits into the smallest of spaces there's so much room for all our stuff and a bucket and spade Amaldine loves a bucket and spade now and it's no hassle at all so these are some of the reasons why I absolutely love the bugaboo ant Bugaboo have launched your greatest travel companion, the brand new Bugaboo Ant Compact Travel Stroller, and it launches nationwide this month. Great things really do come in small packages, and traveling with your child has never been easier. It is so compact that it easily fits into the overhead compartment of a train, numerous airline plane cabins, or into the boot of even the smallest car, all with a striking new bugaboo look and of course their usual attention to design and functionality. The bugaboo ant has integrated all-wheel suspension, which really does provide a super smooth ride, a reversible and reclining seat that supports the whole weight of your child, while the nimble handling means you can push and steer with one hand. So easy, so small but mighty. I particularly love the storage space while folded and using the trolley mode feature wheeling through airports and stations. So visit bugaboo.com forward slash mumtalk to learn more and choose the pram, pushchair, stroller, car seat or accessory to suit your lifestyle. So let's talk about toothpaste because I had a question for you which you very kindly answered. Um, and if you're listening and want a bit of a um, piece to read about fluoride, Gemma very kindly shared um, some information on fluoride and toothpaste, which I've highlighted over on my Instagram story. So head over to Talk Podcast and have a look at that. But let's talk about toothpaste and fluoride. So let's take my husband, for instance. He doesn't particularly like the sound of fluoride in toothpaste. My sister actually has two... Uh, white marks on her two front teeth which from more reading I do about this maybe that was from too much fluoride tell us about fluoride and toothpaste yeah sure. so <laughs> fluoride I sometimes call it the f word because yeah. in dentistry it is it is one of those sort of buzzwords and um, that people's ears prick up um, and again the recommendations that I share on my page and with my patients are all based on um, the evidence-based guidelines which are issued for the UK. Mm. Um, so I saw there was a question from, um, I think it was a lady in Portugal, and then I saw obviously that your husband um, is from Europe as well. And I don't know, guidelines may differ in other countries, that's all I would say. Yes. Um, so um, the UK guidelines are uh, broken down into naught to three years and three to six years. And it's all to do with the concentration of your fluoride, but it's actually more to do with the amount of toothpaste that you're putting on your brush as mm. well. Because um, the concerns that I think people have are with fluoride are if it's being swallowed. Yes. And obviously what, what we know is that babies might spit out and blow raspberries, but you can't get them to spit out their toothpaste after they've brushed. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to follow a command like that. No, they so are if there not. Is, if there's excess, excess paste in the mouth, it's probably going to get swallowed. 
Um, and that's, like I say, I think where the concerns um, around fluoride come from. But what we do know, and like I say, what there's so much research, is that fluoride prevents tooth decay. So, um, again, to go sort of science geeky for a minute, tooth decay is when um, the bacteria in your mouth digest foods, particularly sugary foods, and they convert it into an acid. And that acid is then what creates cavities in the tooth enamel. Um, and that's by a process of um, demineralization. So the acid, if you like, is dissolving um, the enamel crystals. Whereas the fluoride, when it's in your mouth, it has a topical effect on the teeth to help remineralize the teeth um, and remineralize the enamel crystals and strengthen them. Um, and like I say, there's sort of lots of facts and figures surrounding it. Um, but that's how fluoride is beneficial to teeth. Um, with the young babies, um, we're saying no less than 1,000 ppm of fluoride. And with three to six years, we say more than 1,000 ppm. And ppm just refers to parts per million, which is um, always stated on the tube of toothpaste. And again, any sort of leading market brands, um, their toothpaste should have the age-appropriate ones. Um, and it's always worth just checking the packaging and also checking with your dentist in your local area. But the other buzz thing with the fluoride that people sort of um, read about is it being in water. So water fluoridation, uh, there are concerns about it being sort of government controlled and mass medication. Um, and again, I could probably talk about it for hours. But in, in the UK, um, only about 10 percent of the water supply is actually fluoridated. Um, fluoride itself is a naturally occurring mineral and it's found in, in soil, in food and in water in, in varying amounts anyway. Um, but in some areas it is added to the water supply, but most of the UK doesn't have added fluoride in the water. But that is obviously something to check uh, for your your local area. So I'm looking at a question right now, actually, which I'm just going to read to you and just see if you have any advice on this. Uh, she did write it on the bottom of one of my posts. We live rurally and are on a spring water supply. The water's filtered, pH corrected and UV treated and has been tested to be almost empty of metals. Basically, the question is fluoride or other additions to tap water. I'm scared to overdo fluoride and get white marks on my daughter's teeth. Do I just use normal baby toothpaste? I've got two types. Um one with normal fluoride and one with lower fluoride. My daughter's four months with no teeth yet. Okay, yeah. So um I can say uh for the naught to threes we're saying that um no less than a thousand. Um and I think most baby toothpaste, I think I just picked up one in, in Sainsbury's the other day and it was it was a thousand, so that's mm -hmm. great. Um, but the key is just to use a flat smear of paste. So people tend to overload the toothbrush. Um, and like we say, from three onwards, you can use a pea-sized amount. Mm -hmm. But for babies, not to three, a flat smear it's, or, or the size of a grain of rice, it really is such a small amount that you're using. Um, and then they won't be swallowing the excess because um, at that age, so with little babies, their adult teeth are developing in the jawbone. And the concern is if they are, like you say, swallowing, that the, um, the toothpaste the fluoride can be taken up into the adult teeth. And that's where people get um, white spots or, or what's called fluorosis from. It's much so that fluorosis isn't the only cause of white spots in teeth. There are, there are other things that can cause um, speckled teeth as well. Um, but adult teeth actually start forming around um, birth. So you know, during that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so baby teeth start forming around uh, week five, six of pregnancy um from the cells and then adult teeth even though they're not going to get them until they're sort of six seven years old they start forming at birth um so it's a very tough process 
yeah, human body is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing, isn't it? What else would you share on teeth brushing for the zero to three month age? Do you have any kind of particular recommendations for ways to sit um, when starting out doing it? Because that can be quite awkward, can't it? Yeah. So again, depending on baby's age, it's all about obviously being, you know, mum or dad or the caregiver is going to be doing the brushing part. By all means, let your baby have a feel of the brush and a play with it. Obviously, never leave them unsupervised with a toothbrush. Um, you want to make sure you're in the room. But a really good position that um, I found was having him, I was normally actually sat on the toilet with the lid down, and he was sat on my knee facing forwards. Mm-hmm. And then I would gently lean his head back into my chest. Um, and then, because um, as a dental professional, we always look at the teeth from behind you, if you think about where you, yes. where you are in relation to the dentist. So the best view of the teeth is actually not so much being in front um, of the patient or the child, it's actually being behind them. Yes. Um, and then as they get older, that technique works well, because if they've got a little step and they can see themselves in the mirror, they, they can engage with the toothbrushing and watch you brushing their teeth if you're stood behind them. Um, other uh, ideas are, um, again, if they're sitting up in the bath and maybe in there in a bath seat, or if you've got the little is it the snuggle bath, yeah, when they're sort of sat up supported, that works really well. Yeah. Um, and again, it becomes part of the bath time routine and, and they're distracted as well sometimes by bath toys. I think using, obviously at that age, again, they're not going to understand if you say open your mouth, but if you're sort of using happy sing-song voices so that toothbrushing doesn't become a stressy time or they don't start to... Um, think why is mummy getting cross it's sort of like oh here we go you know happy baby open open your mouth or even a little sing song there are some little songs that you or invent your own song um, and then again they can associate that with um, the toothbrushing and I think remember that not every time is going to be easy um, I think especially once they get mobile I think there's that classic thing about putting a nappy on a crawling baby is like trying to wrestle an alligator well trying to brush teeth on a crawling baby is also like uh trying to wrestle an alligator and and we've now moved to pull-ups because nappies are just proving impossible um so i think it's just being adaptable and knowing that um each stage will have its challenges but also it it is fun as well and like i say first tooth and looking after their teeth it's a sign that they're growing up um and it changes their little smile and once you start getting um the top teeth as well and they're smiling you you can just see them and i just think um like I say, I'm not trying to put pressure on people to, to perform or brush for two minutes or anything like that. But um, oh, and the other one was when he was tiny, before he could roll over, and we'd do it when he was sometimes lying on his changing mat. Oh, yes. Um, whilst he was sort of stationary there and that kind of thing. So it's, um, yeah, what what works for you? I mean, I'd love to hear more tips from people. I like getting toothbrushing chats going and, <laughs> and little, little mum hacks along the way, that kind of thing. So any extra things that you want to mention for brushing baby's teeth in the zero to three age range? Anything we haven't um, covered? Well, I suppose you could mention visiting the dentist now. Oh, yes. That's yes. a good thing because um, there is a um, old school view, if you like, which is obviously wait till they've got all their teeth and then take them along or even wait till there's a problem and then take them along. But actually um, what we're really trying to do now in the UK is to promote both within sort of Uh, the parenting community and also the dental community is the concept of a dental check by one which is basically by the time that baby has their first birthday they should hopefully be registered with a dentist um, who can then obviously provide more tailored advice because obviously what I'm providing is generic advice 
Um, so there'll be advice about toothbrushing, about sort of dietary habits, um, feeding habits. It's also good to be registered in case of an emergency. Um, and it gets them acclimatised to the dental environment from when they're very little. Um, and also, uh, if you're with an NHS dentist yourself, obviously your maternity exemption lasts until baby turns one. Yes. So you should be visiting the dentist because obviously maternal oral health is really important as well. Uh, I know, especially during the sort of fourth trimester, finding time to brush your teeth can be really tricky. Um, but you should go along and, yeah, say take baby with you um, and hopefully, um, yeah, get them, I say, family dentist and personalised advice and um, get them used to coming from, from day one, really. Brilliant. I completely agree. I was meant to be taking Amandine with me a couple of months ago when I went to just go and have a post-birth um, checkup, but she was mid-nap, so that got averted and delayed. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, sometimes it's easier to leave them and go on your own. And some, Exactly. Um, there's a brilliant cartoon by, um, I don't know if you're, are you aware of, um, is it Sketchy Mama, Anna no. Lewis? Um, and she says it's a sketch and it's like um, when you're a mum, a visit to the dentist is the equivalent of a, a spa visit. So <laughs> even if you're having a filling, you're just having 10 minutes away from, you know, uh, parenting. So it can actually be a relaxing experience to go without baby. But That's equally, yeah, true. take baby along <laughs> as well. That's very true. That's really funny. So how about the three and onwards age? Is there anything that's different aside from, I mean, the different, there's a different amount of toothpaste, isn't there? Yeah. So go from flat smear to pea size um, and the concentration of toothpaste um, may change as well. They do say, you know, you can use um, a normal uh, family toothpaste on the whole family um, so, you know, the one that you may be using as an adult could be appropriate for children as well. And that actually saves having to transition each time and it gets them used to a, a minty taste in their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, some adult toothpaste wouldn't be appropriate. So things like whitening toothpaste or some sensitive toothpastes uh, wouldn't be appropriate. Um, and then um, three to six as well. Obviously, they will probably be doing a little bit more of the independent brushing. Um, I think they get quite sort of sassy and they want to have a go <laughs> and they want to be in charge. Um, and again, I mean, we say sort of in terms of their dexterity and their ability to brush to the very back teeth, they probably need help and supervision until at least age seven, um, if not slightly longer, just to make sure that, you know, it's not just a quick scrub at the front teeth. Um, I think with that age range as well, you've got more leverage in terms of things like rewards. Um, so people use reward charts for toothbrushing to build the habit. And you've got uh, so many things, such as um, so Peppa Pig. She's got some great stuff for, for dental um, dental visits and toothbrushing. And then um, Hey Dougie. Oh, I don't I know if you're familiar him. with him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're massive fans in, in my house. And he's got um, a toothbrushing badge, uh, which has been developed with um, dental pediatric consultants. Uh, so encouraging them. So obviously, like you say, for little babies, they're not going to appreciate that. But for that... Um, age groups or three to six you can get you know youtuber get the hey doggy toothbrushing song um or like i say they can have stickers and reward charts and um they can take on a lot you know a lot on board at that age range but equally we see a lot of children when i'm working in the pediatric department who have already got tooth problems by the time they get to age three no so that's way. why we're sort of trying to reinforce it from from even younger so what kind of problems might they be um, so yeah, tooth decay. So um, yeah, I know um, there are obviously 
uh, issues that can affect them. And it's a combination, obviously. So tooth decay, it isn't just the fact that if you don't brush the teeth, they're going to get cavities. It's obviously linked heavily to diet and sugar intake um, in terms of foods and liquids as, as well. Um, obviously, there can be other dental issues, you know, so dental trauma, people fall over and knock their teeth. Mm. Um, things like thumb sucking and dummies and pacifiers can have effects on teeth as well. Um, and obviously, there's you know, genetic issues as well, but mainly tooth decay. Okay, so tell me your thoughts on thumb sucking and teeth, because Amandine is a thumb sucker. Aha! So, again, it's really great if they can use it to self-soothe and comfort themselves. Um, but obviously when they've got something in the mouth, such as a digit or, or a dodi, um, if it's in for prolonged periods of time and their teeth are developing, you can start to um, see a little arch in, in the front teeth. Um, so again, the guidelines state from the age of 12 months, um, the use of a dummy or pacifier is to be discouraged. Um, so for like your young babies, obviously I'd say really comforting. Um, but as they get older, I think the older they get, the harder it gets to get rid of it really Mm -hmm. so we have at work sometimes they'll bring the dummies for us to give to the tooth fairy or the dummy fairy um and obviously you see children who maybe are school age and and they're still having um a a dummy and that thumb is obviously more tricky because you can't take the thumb away um but again it depends if it's just that they have it for a couple of minutes whilst they go to sleep and then as soon as they're asleep it's falling out then that's um, probably a really useful aid um but obviously it's just sort of being aware, keeping an eye on these things, um, and I guess discussing it with your, your dental professional when you see them. Yeah, she started originally having it in all the time, but now she does literally just suck it for maybe two or three sucks as she falls to sleep, and then her thumb just falls out of her mouth, and that's it. Yeah, um, that's, and that's cute. <laughs> it is cute, it is cute. Uh, we have we didn't have a dummy, so I think she just naturally found her own and was like, well, if you're not going to give me one, then I'll use my own. <laughs> uh-huh. I know very clever thing is there anything else that um you would like to share with listeners obviously if you've got anxieties yourself so I know we see a lot of parents who come in and they may have had a previous bad experience or they think the dentist is going to be judging them and I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to sort of humanize us and just say no we're normal people too we're (laughs) we're sleep deprived parents too we know what it's like um and um we're, we're here to help you that kind of thing and if you have got um anxieties yourself it's probably better to bring your children from early on so that they don't get the preconceived fears from you mm. um so they see that a visit to the dentist can be positive um it can be fun um and like i say we're all prepared with these you know, sort of stickers and you know we can pull funny faces and get them having a little ride in the chair. It's like a little roller coaster thing. And so I think if you're dentally anxious yourself, um, by all means, share that with your dentist, but try to sort of portray it in a positive way to your child that going to see the dentist is, is fun. I think um, we don't want them to associate it, you know, I think, again, if they get to school age and sort of just generally dentists sort of get a bit of a bad rep, I guess, mm. in society. Uh, so try to break down that stereotype. Um, other areas we get lots of questions on are sort of teething and how can I help my baby when they're teething um, and again there's some evidence for, for certain things but a lot of it is sort of very anecdotal um, so things that help are obviously trying to soothe baby and soothe gums by using teething aids and they can be cooled so they can sort of reduce inflammation if they're cool um, and the same with obviously like cool foods on the gums because you'll notice sometimes that when they're teething they might go off their normal food and they might change what they 
what I'll accept mm-hmm. um, equally. Um, the teething aids, most of them are designed, they can bite down. And it's sort of an instinct, I think, to sort of chew on things when you've got sore gums. Um, and it just provides a bit of gentle counter pressure on the gums to help sort of almost massage the gums yes. as the teeth are coming in. How's teething been with you? Teething, well, I mean, like I mentioned at the beginning, I feel like she's been teething since she was literally two months old and it's just been constant. And she, um, I can always tell when she's having a really bad bout of teething because she gets a little rash on the same cheek every single time Mm. and it goes really red and really sore. um, And the minute that teething episode finishes or a bit more of the tooth starts to come out, it completely clears up and you wouldn't know it was ever there. So it's completely... um, At the beginning, I thought, oh my goodness, has she got eczema or or what's going on here? But I now know that it's 100% related to teething. Um, And she does prefer to sleep on one side than the other. Um, Yeah, interesting. I Mm. think the extra dribble and the thumb sucking and just leaving that kind of... Is it acidic dribble or something? What happens to their saliva when they're teething? It becomes a bit harsher, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think really they just tend to produce a bit more. um, And then, like you say, it can dribble. And then if if you don't sort of keep it dry on their chin or the corners of their mouth, they can get sort of irritated skin. And um, so, yeah, so just try and sort of be conscious of having either like a dribble bib um, or a muslin and just wiping it away to sort of keep the area uh, nice and dry so it's... It's not too wet. No, but when she's sleeping, that was fairly impossible. So she does <laughs> end up with her little, um, her little rash on her cheek. But she's, she's been doing okay. The best things we find for teething are um, Ashton's and Parsons powder. Oh, the homeopathy, yeah. Yeah, and we also use another homeopathy remedy called ABC, which is aconite, belladonna, and chamomilla, I think. Um, mm. Which has, I mean. Not only does Almondine love it, but um, it seems to work really well for us. So we've just been sticking with those things, really. So she's not required any sort of um, paracetamol-based medications or anything like that? No, she never has. Um, I don't know whether I've just kind of been a bit tough mum or tough mum No, no, that's good. um, Yeah, it's, it's not always as bad as it's made out to be. Um, and then I've just recalled the other area that I should totally mention whilst we're chatting about teeth, which is um, about drinks and uh juice yeah and that kind of thing um so obviously babies will obviously have milk to begin with either breast or formula um and then when they get to weaning age about six months they can be introduced to drinking uh, water as well yeah um but there's sort of all this uh mismarketing if you like that you'll see things sometimes which i find quite scary marketed as like baby juice and fruit juice for babies um or flavoured waters and these kind of things. And they're really sort of big sort of no-nos because baby teeth, um, obviously, I say, are vulnerable to to sugar content. And obviously, weaning babies, the advice is you know, sort of no added sugar or salt in their diets because mm. they, they can't cope with that anyway. Um, but equally sort of um, trying to get them to drink, say, from like an open cup yes. um, and get used to um, so sipping a drink rather than just sucking the sucking action they develop over the first six months and they get really good at that um but then um learning to sip from an open cup will um help prevent any liquid from pooling around the teeth but it also promotes the sort of good jaw development and good sort of again um their motor skills for them learning how to handle a beaker and and drink from that so um that whole area of of sort of 
teeth protection as well, sort of dietary thing, um, really comes into play. Because I think you know, people go on about how babies will obviously naturally be drawn to sweeter things. So that's why to introduce your, your sort of bitter food and your green veg and all that on your weaning journey first. Um, but yeah, I think trying to link in the whole sort of nutritional side of things with baby weaning and also baby teething and it's I mean six months it's a it's a, it's a busy age for them it is isn't it and it's a busy age for us as well. <laughs> thank you so so much for coming on the podcast I really really appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge with us and your tips and tricks no well thank you for having me along to sort of like I say chat about uh yeah baby's oral health as we, as we call it it's not just about teeth it's about having a really happy mouth and you know no tooth decay no tooth aches and you know baby teeth really have lots of important functions I think people think oh they're going to fall out eventually so you know it's okay uh, but obviously they're really important for you know eating for speech function aesthetics and they keep the space for the adult teeth as well and help guide the adult teeth through so I just want to say yeah look, look after the little piggies I don't know about you, but I am so much clearer now on what I'm meant to be doing, when I'm meant to be doing it, and how to help look after Amaldine's little gnashes. So I hope that was helpful to you all for listening. If you have any questions and you've you've got any written down, then make sure you pop them through to me in a DM over at Mum Talk Podcast, or you can always email me at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com, and I will make sure Gemma gets those messages or you can always go to the mummy dentist on instagram and message her yourself i really look forward to catching up with you guys next week there's a wonderful podcast coming to your ears next week i'm very excited to share it with you it's incredibly inspirational and thought-provoking so that's all from me have a lovely week Mum Talk Series 5 is supported by Bugaboo, a world of innovative products that give every parent the confidence and freedom for the journey ahead. So visit bugaboo.com forward slash mumtalk to learn more and choose the pram, pushchair, stroller, car seat or accessory to suit your lifestyle.